Get ready to listen, learn, and earn CE hours. This podcast features content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Thank you for joining us for the final episode in this series about the infant formula shortage. In the first two episodes, Dr. Abrams, a board-certified pediatrician and neonatologist, described how the regulation of infant formula is controlled by the FDA, the role of the WIC program, and the factors that impacted the formula shortage. Additionally, he discussed the importing of formula from other countries and how we might see formula that is goat milk-based versus cow milk-based. We discussed what A2 milk is and the impact of feeding homemade formula to babies. In this episode, we're joined by Shelly McDonald. Shelly's a nurse, but she's also a mom to her son, Mason. We're going to hear her story and the impact the formula shortage has had on her and her son, Mason. So Shelly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a nurse. I used to do some experience in women's health and dialysis and then moved over into an education role uh, a few years ago. And I am, as of a year ago, a recent first-time mother as well. Congratulations on that. And new time mother and a nurse. So big bonus to you. (laughs) Now let's talk a little bit about, yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about your experience as far as just being a new mom, specifically Mason, right? So talk to us a little bit about Mason joining us here and and what that experience was like for you. Uh, So it was uh, a high anxiety, high stress, uh, a lot of struggles to get to this point. It took about five years before we were able to get pregnant with Mason. Um, And so very draining experience, but huge blessing once it did happen. And he's my twin, uh, for better or for worse, uh, acts just like me, has my personality, uh, has strawberry red hair that he got from from his father. But that's that's about it. The rest is all me. So very, <laughs> very happy um, that he's here and, and that I get to be with him as much as I do. Uh, he did get excited to come early, though, and ended up coming around 37 and a half weeks. So he was a um, little bit premature, not not severely, but a little little young when he came out. And uh, that did take a toll on things when we were getting started for parenthood. Yeah, I can imagine that. And then, you know, really, I want to kind of focus in on that for a second, especially as we talk about the impact of the the infant formula recall and the shortage that's Mm -hmm. happened. So with Mason being born early, what complications actually, you know, were happening? Did you encounter, did Mason encounter as we really think about how important formula was to him? Uh, So my own uh, medical issues that I had going on. I wasn't able to breastfeed. Um, I, I was going Mm. through some cancer treatments at the time. And so that was not an option for me. Formula was the only option. Um, and so as soon as he came out, we, we tried bottle, we tried the, the formula that is standard at the hospital, the Simlac formula, and he just wouldn't take it. Um, he was very sleepy of course. And, and we did all of the things to try to, stimulate him and make sure that he was able to take formula. And it just wasn't working the first few hours after he was born. And 
Um, shortly after that, they came in to take him to the nursery just for a well baby check, let the doctor see all of the babies that morning. And after they took him, he never came back to my room. Uh, they tried to feed him in the nursery and that was when he was probably about 12 hours old. And, uh, the doctor said, okay, we're going to send him to NICU. And that was very difficult. They did a NICU admission and I didn't get to see him for about eight or nine hours. Um, so it was, it was very hard to know that he wasn't getting what he needed and I couldn't provide him what he needed and I wasn't going to be with him. So, uh, once we finally got to go see him, they ended up putting a, an NG tube in or the tube that goes from the, the nose down into the stomach so they could get him some sort of nourishment and calories. Um, and we started working with him and he ended up in the NICU for a week, but we worked with him on trying to get him to learn how to take a bottle. It's funny now with how much he eats, looking back and <laughs> saying we were just trying to get him to take just a small, tiny amount, any amount. And these little goals that we had set day in and day out. And he started to take it. Um, he started to thrive. We were very blessed with being able to watch him meet all of these milestones. And after about a week in the NICU, he, he was sent home. Uh, but we still struggled at that point. Uh, we yeah. used the formula that the physicians had gotten him on, the Simlax sensitive. We used that and um, kept him on it. And we noticed things that were really painful or uncomfortable to him. He had excessive gas. He had uh, constipation. He had um, bad reflux. He would spit up terribly. There were some instances of vomiting. And so we started the journey of formula hopping, um, which is very time because you can't just yeah, try one one day like and try one the next day because it's still in their system and you have to know which one's actually right. working, which one's not. And it took months and it took about nine different formulas. And of course, my special little guy that we waited so long on ended up on one of the most costly, most hard to find formulas. Um, so much so that I ordered it from the supplier directly and I would get a few uh, canisters at a time, make sure that we had some on hand. And it finally, it finally helped him, but we went through so many, um, some that even caused projectile vomiting. And it's very interesting wow. to know that he struggled with so many different types because people assume you just give a baby formula and they go and they yeah. take it. And he had so yeah. many issues from the beginning that that was not our journey. It really was trial and error until we found something that he could tolerate, something that he would take, uh, that he wouldn't um, spit out or that he wouldn't try and get away from and, and that he enjoyed drinking, but also that didn't cause all of these other issues that we were seeing. Yeah. And then this is just to frame it up. This is before the shortage, the conversation now, this yeah. is before shortage, right? This is before recall. This is just you, new mom and Mason trying to figure out what works best mm -hmm. for him. Now, you mentioned having to order it directly from the manufacturer. You m mentioned about pricing. Talk a little bit about that because you're right in, in what you said. You're right. There is this like misconception that we can just give babies whatever milk product is available, but it's not quite like that. Yep. Now, I feel like you're in a different position in the sense that you're a nurse, exactly. right? So you might have more knowledge and more access in that type of way, but you're still a, a human being. And a new mom who's trying to do the best thing for the baby. So 
how how much did that impact you? Just even from a financial standpoint, mm-hmm. even from just making sure you have enough, what was that experience like for you? So I'm very blessed that I still was able to work and do all of that through entering motherhood. And so yeah. um, I knew what it would cost once we moved over to this formula, but that was by far, that was more expensive than diapers and wipes. That was the most wow. expensive part. And I didn't have the option of, of breastfeeding and I didn't want him to be in pain or uncomfortable with all the others that we tried. So this was the only option. Um, The good thing about having to buy from the supplier was that they gave you a a small discount to do so, but it, it definitely was something that every month it's thinking about, okay, if I'm going to order this much, this is how much it's going to cost. This is what we're going to see on the bills and make sure that, that we had that at the forefront of our minds. It is always something that I tried to prepare for and tried to make sure that I was ordering it, that I was keeping up with it, um, that we had some in the pantry ready to go because I knew this was his only option. This was the only thing that was going to work for him. Uh, even when we started saying that he was getting older, transitioning to solid foods, uh, he was a little bit slower to do that too. He didn't take to it right away. He didn't want a whole lot of solid foods, very, very picky like a lot of babies are. Um, and so we still <laughs> needed that formula as he's continued to grow. That yeah. was where he was getting his calories. Um, so we had to be very cognizant about how long it was going to take to ship it and get it to us. And we got in the routine and all of this with the shortage kind wow. of threw a wrench into those plans and our routine yeah. is no longer the norm. Yeah. Let's fast forward to that point. So we've been talking about pre-shortage, mm-hmm. right? And now thinking about now the recall, the shortage happening and, and Mason's on this very special formula that he needs. Now what would you do then? Panicked. <laughs> yeah. Um, fair. Yeah. Fair. And I thought maybe it would be like some of the other shortages we've seen in the supply chain where people were freaking out for no reason. Um, and I also thought in my head, well, I order it straight from the supplier. This is a special one. It's more costly. If they don't need it, they're not going to buy this formula. And I was very wrong. Uh, it, I ordered another supply, our normal amount of supply. And the next time I thought, well, maybe I should go ahead and stock up on one more. Maybe this is something that's about to impact us. Uh, he wasn't, I think, but maybe nine, nine or 10 months at that point, we still had a few months of definitely needing to keep him nourished through this. And I looked and the supplier was sold out. And I looked on Amazon, I looked on Walmart's website, I looked on all of these other places that you might be able to get something shipped to you. Um, And it it just wasn't there. It the supply chain had taken it away. They weren't making that one or what they did have was was already bought out. Uh, So I panicked. And um, I think a lot of it might be owed to nursing background or mother's intuition and started trying to figure out what's plan B. What can we do instead? Yeah. I know he still needs this. Uh, we tried sipping a little bit on whole milk and maybe thinking about transitioning to that a little early. And he just wouldn't take that either. He didn't have the taste for it. It, it was going to take longer to transition him to that than what we had uh, time-wise. So we spoke to the pediatrician and I said, I did find a toddler formula. It's not an infant one. I know it's different with the calories and what's in it, but this is what I found. Can I use this instead? Uh, It's supposed to be somewhat equivalent to the one that he's been on. 
that he's tolerated well. And he said, try it. That's, that's completely fine. So I did. I, I bought a can or two of it. Uh, we tried it. We slowly moved him over to it, mixing it with what he was originally on. And he did okay with it. He had a little bit more gassiness, a little bit more fussiness, but overall it wasn't nearly the experience like what we had right after he was born trying to find a formula that works. And I thought, yeah. okay, good. We'll just continue with this formula. And sure enough, I guess that caught on. And that one was off the shelf. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, and then what? So now you're like, okay, so now we're plan up creek. C. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was able to find a few more cans online that I got shipped to me. And around that time, we just said, we're going to have to do something with milk. And we were very lucky that this happened when he was a little bit older. And his his body was ready for milk and he could make that transition because there were lots of friends of mine that are um, not as far along in that process of the first year. And they're doing what they can. They're doing the best they can transitioning very early to regular milk, um, which hopefully the babies are tolerating. But we started mixing it and rationing it a little bit and making sure that we didn't just shock his system with here's milk, take this and that's it. So we started mixing it in with the formula we did have, um, checking the stores and the websites regularly to see if there was any more in stock that I could swipe up and, and get um, and moving him over into more of a whole milk traditional type of, of drink as we tried to get off the formula a little bit sooner than what we had planned. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to underscore two things at, as you're saying this. So one, I think, you know, thinking about our audience and everyone who's listening and, and even us right now, we're both in the healthcare field, right? And we know enough to say, we know it's super important for infants and babies as they're growing to be, get the right nutrition, right? They need that for healthy growth and development. And that seems to have been the focus now when we talk about the formula recall and the formula shortage, we're very focused on the infant. We're very focused on making sure that we're taking care of their needs. That's a priority. But as I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm thinking about even some of my friends and family members that are first-time moms right now, there's also a whole entire component that we don't really talk about. You are a first-time mother really going through a real thing of trying to find food for your baby. And so that in and of itself also is Part of the downstream effects, I think, in my opinion, when we talk about the formula shortage, that yes, it will directly impact the infant who requires this, this nutrient, this formula. But what about, what about you? What about Shelly, who's running around trying to figure out how to do this? Personally, did that weigh heavy on you? Did that feel at times like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. Like, what was that experience for you? Because I can't imagine. And I'll just say, I'm I'm not a mom, but I have a dog. And if I can't find dog food, I'm already up to here. So what is that? You know, what is that for someone who really is taking care of, of another life? How was that for you? It's stressful. Uh, a baby that young, you can't force them to eat it. You can't say, well, then go to bed hungry. Um, you You right. can't do that with them. And so it's, stressful. You feel like a failure. You feel like you did something wrong, even though you had no impact on the supply chain, you had no impact on this happening and, and all of the shortages that we're experiencing going through. Um, it's very hard to read on social media. Well, why didn't you just breastfeed? 
well, you should have done that uh, or saying, well, why don't you breastfeed now? Well, that's not how that works. Uh, but there, there's right. a lot of individuals that aren't taking into consideration those other factors where someone wasn't able to breastfeed, which in my case was very real. And saying that that's the, the default, that's the backup plan, that's what you should have done from the beginning. Well, that makes me feel like I failed as a mother. If I'm struggling to find what my son needs, uh, it's it's very anxiety producing. It feels like everyone is judging the fact that that I was one that did formula over breastfeeding and um, makes it seem like that is always the answer to this. There, it's definitely a problem that is more widespread and there's a lot of different factors that go into it. It is not that simplistic, but it does hurt to see those things. And I know on some of the Facebook groups and things like that, that I'm in moms were trying to trade for formula or does anyone have this particular brand because their baby's in the same boat of not being able to tolerate some types of formula. So if you have this one, I'll trade you. If, if I have one that you need, I found this one in the store. Does anyone need it? I'll trade you. If you have the one that my son or daughter can tolerate and we're all doing the best that we can, we're all trying to make it work. We're, thinking outside of the box, adjusting as moms and, and as dads and yeah. trying to find something that will get us through whatever this time frame is until things are straightened out and we can access what we need for our children again. Absolutely. Were there things that you found that were particularly helpful for you, even if it was through, you know, the profession, through nursing or through groups or communities that you belong to that you felt like was a good support for you and really helped kind of guide you to where you, you needed to be? My pediatrician is wonderful. He's um, very knowledgeable. Excellent. He understood what Mason's needs were and, and has been with them since the beginning. And so he knew we tried all of these things and he knew what to suggest. Um, and then I think there's a lot of mom support groups that I've turned to just because of the journey that we were on to even get to having Mason and then the the ups and downs right after he was born in the NICU visit. So I'm in a lot of support groups. And even though they may not be where I'm at locally, and they may not have been able to say, this store just got a shipment in, is there any here that you need? They helped a lot with that stress and anxiety factor. They helped calm me down and reassure me that this isn't something that I caused. This isn't something that I can do yeah. anything about, that we're all in the same boat. We're doing the best that we can. And so having that support and that realistic look at what things um, we're doing to try and make this work in the meantime was a huge yeah. help, even if it wasn't directing me to resources and just constantly checking the apps and the websites of the stores that I have locally and the ones online. Did they get a shipment in? Is it here yet? Um, making sure that I'm kind of following why this is happening and is is it ramped up again? Are things being produced again? Are we, is this a long-term thing? Or are we just expecting a couple more weeks before we have it in stock and what we need? Um, so it may not fully help me get what I need, but it helps me understand when things might calm down enough and when I can expect to start seeing things on the shelves again and, and being able to access that a little bit more readily. Yeah, the anticipation probably helps a little mm -hmm. bit more than not knowing at all. Yeah. 
And how is Mason today? How is Mason right now? Oh, he is. Um, he's wonderful. He finally figured out how to eat real food and now he won't stop eating real food. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> me neither. Me neither, Mason. Yeah, he gets that for me too. Um, but he's thriving. He's growing. He's um, actually 80th percentile for his weight. So he is keeping up with what That's he awesome. needs to. And coming from this little NICU baby that came too early, he is just amazing. Um, he's a little terror sometimes and I absolutely adore it and love him. Uh, but we are still transitioning off the bottle with the little bit of, of formula that I have found. Uh, but he's doing a lot better drinking the milk too and making that transition over since he's old enough now. But he is uh, definitely doing better with actually having real food, which is which is a blessing during the middle of all of this. That's fantastic. Shelly, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for sharing your story, for sharing Mason's story with us during this time. Um, and, you know, it it really is important, this conversation. You know, there's a lot of, though we're speaking to our audience right now, right? We think about all the healthcare professionals listening in, but like yourself, these are also parents, right? These are also people that might be experiencing something really similar to what we're talking about. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for joining us in this third and final episode of this podcast series about the infant formula shortage. In the first two episodes, we heard from Dr. Abrams about the cause of the shortage and the role the healthcare professionals play. In this episode, Shelly shared Mason's journey with formula and his special nutritional needs in his first year of life and the impact it had on her as a first-time mom. This is Jonna Emil for Elite Learning. This podcast featured content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Take your learning to the next level by subscribing to more podcasts on compelling healthcare topics.